A reading from the book of Numbers. The rabble among them had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, all at the entrances of their tents. Then the Lord became very angry, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give birth to them, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom, as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on both to their ancestors? Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they come weeping to me and say, Give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once, if I have found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my misery. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting, and have them take their place there with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered seventy elders of the people and placed them all round the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, and Joshua son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen men, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. The word of the Lord.
they should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins.
tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink as you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter like me than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter like lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. So today is our stewardship kickoff. And it is always the job of the director, you know, I have Becky's name in the, in the bulletin, it's the job of the director to preach a stewardship sermon. And our stewardship chair, Ron Jensen, is sitting right here, so I don't dare not do it. <laughs> Actually, I'm thrilled to do it. I love talking about stewardship. You guys will receive in the mail this week a letter from me and Ron um, announcing this year's campaign with the theme, Sing to the Lord a New Song. And I realized, we came up with that a long time ago. But what I realized yesterday is that today is actually the one-year anniversary of me coming to join you all in this community. Thank you for your very warm welcome and support. As we have been singing a new song all year, right? I've been learning new tunes. We've been finding places where the notes don't quite align, trying to make beautiful music in spite of ourselves. It's been a huge privilege and blessing, and I'm honored to be a rector here one year in. I can't believe how much how time flies when we really are having fun. It's been wonderful. Thank you. So I got stuck on the singing part. Sing to the Lord a new song. And I recalled some of you already heard the story, but I recall my time in Chautauqua this summer where I heard Yo-Yo Mom alone on the stage with his cello. And he talked about how music can heal the world. That's his ministry. That's his mission. And what he did was he demonstrated this idea by playing a prelude to Bach's first cello suite. And what he pointed out was, if you 
probably hear it because you normally hear it. But there's just this break. And then what happens next is those pieces, those notes, are picked up and transformed into a new song. But what you realize is that the new song still contains the notes and the themes from the old song.
bridge to draw near. Draw near. That feels more like an invitation. Draw near to one another. That's what the writer of the letter of James is saying today, right? Look at the person next to you. Pray for them. Sing with them. Comfort them. Draw near to one another. Draw near to our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? We have some work to do to learn about the needs in this community and beyond. We started, we've done some good work. Starting with the work that we've done for the Mass Coalition for the Homeless, with the Build a Bed Project, with the work that we're doing at St. Stephen's, and the Mana Ministry, and all of those things. We know who some of our neighbors are, and we draw near to them. Who else do we need to draw near to? I also think that draw near is an invitation to draw near to ideas that may be challenging. Things we may not agree with. <laughs> Read some books about stuff that we might learn some things about our privilege or about the history of our country that we didn't get taught when we were in school. The history of our church. Whatever. I think to get proximate invitation, to draw near invitation, is about our bodies as well as our minds. And by doing all of that, these things are in a particular order, by doing all of that, we can then change the narrative, the old song. Not that there is anything wrong with the old song, but the old song needs transformation, right? Boys will be boys. She asked for it. Right? There's an old song. We're not going to talk about that today, but there's an old song that needs to be rewritten. Jesus was always about changing the narrative. It was hard to read that gospel today and then not talk about it specifically because it was so fire and brimstone. So we will talk about that at another time. But I think, remember, he's with these disciples who drive them crazy a lot of the time. They drive them crazy. And they had just had this situation, that's why I'm going to talk about it. They had just had this situation a couple of verses earlier where, where they tried to exercise the demon out of somebody and they couldn't do it. And they said to Jesus, how come we didn't have the power to do that? He told us we did. And Jesus said, I don't remember exactly what he said, but something like, you know, not this time. So the reason that they're mad at the beginning of this reading is they said, this person is out there casting demons in your name and we got to tell them to stop. So Jesus was already going to tell you about that, right? This idea that things that we can do that put stumbling blocks in front of other people's faith, our pride and our ego and all of those things can get in the way of our being those anointed prophets that God provided to Moses. In the midst of all of this, we have to remain hopeful. And again, this was a tough week. Just to be in the world, to be a woman, to be a mother, um, of a daughter, all of that. It's a tough week. How do we remain hopeful in the face of everything? Right? It's always something. 
confession. But one of the things that helps me remain hopeful is something that we just started a couple of weeks ago, which is praying on Wednesdays in the chapel with the door open. Sounds like a small thing. We even use words to a really old song. We're praying morning prayer right one. Those are some old words. But remarkably, those words in that chapel on Wednesdays with the door open and the traffic driving by, that song is a new song. I was raised with those words, but I hear it differently now. So there's one way for me that I can remain hopeful. By staying deep in prayer and bounding my workday with prayer. One of the ways we stay hopeful is by being here together, by gathering around this table, by singing hymns together, all sorts of ways to remain hopeful. And number four, remember, number four is about being uncomfortable. Of course, as Christians, Jesus calls us to take up a cross and follow him to death. That's pretty uncomfortable. Most of us are not called in our daily lives to go all that way, although we are in our spiritual lives. But what I realized is this call to be willing to be uncomfortable actually circles back to the first one about drawing near. So this isn't really a list. It's a circular process. Because if we really draw near to people we don't like, or people who are different from us, or ideas that are really challenging, we're going to be uncomfortable. But the transformation doesn't happen. The new song is not sung if we're not willing to engage in this process. So I think I think that what we have here at Trinity Church is this is the church that we know and love. There's lots of churches who are doing wonderful things, but this is our church. I believe that we are already engaged in doing this. That we're transforming old songs and old ideas in new ways, not by our own sheer force of will, but because this place is infused with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. We have hope. We respect the dignity of every human being through our baptismal promises. We are strengthened here at the table with Christ's body and blood each week. That's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing in today's world. Amazing. Everybody is a part of that. Everybody brings their own particular saltiness and seasoning, their willingness to be one of the prophets, all of their gifts into this community. That's where the real love and energy and power is. That's what we celebrate when we sing the new song. And if 
So our stewardship this year is, is a very, very bold and aspirational goal. Last year we raised $730,000 from your pledges, from our pledges. This year the target is $830,000. Folks, that's $100,000 more. That's a big number for where I come from. Can we sing that new song? How uncomfortable would you have to be to be a part of that? What would you might be, what might you need to draw near to? Nearer to God, nearer to prayer, nearer to some new ideas, nearer to some other people. What would it take? What would it take for us to change the narrative of scarcity and just get it by to a narrative of wild abundance? The reason I ask the readers to change up the readings today to have that numbers reading is, first of all, Moses is my favorite person in the Bible. And anytime Moses is like grumpy, I just, I love it. And this is like the best story of Moses being grumpy. But I really chose it because the Israelites have just set out into the wilderness with Moses as their leader. Remember why they're there? They were freed from generations of slavery in Egypt. Right? They built all those pyramids. They were slaves. They had no freedom. They just were given their freedom. And all of a sudden,
I ask your prayers for God's people throughout the world. For our bishops, Michael, Alan, and Gail, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people. Pray for the church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. We pray especially for those on our prayer list. Cricket, Brian, Uraeus, Robert, Madeline, Dick, Robbie, Sean, Niels, James, Matthew, Lauren, Betsy, Linda, Alice, Steve, Orly, Will, Don, Barbara, Jack, Joe, Eddie, Kirsty, Ellie, Edith, and Newey. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or deeper knowledge of Him. Pray that they may find and be found by Him. I ask your prayers for the departed. Pray for those who have died. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own way. Almighty God, whose loving hands have given us all that we possess, grant us grace that we may honor you with our substance and remember the account with which we must one day live. That we may be faithful stewards of your bounty through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
to be part of this enormous effort. We will be uncomfortable, perhaps, but I don't want to be. I want this to be absolutely from your heart and your knowledge of what this church means to you and to our community. I'm going to help with some ideas, but I need ideas from all of you. One thing that a lot of people are not aware of is that if you're over 70 and a half, you can donate your IRA. Now, as I was reminded, required minimum distributions come up. You can take a portion of that IRA and create a donation for the church. Of course, you have to consult with your accountant or financial person. But that's one way that you can speed up the process of building this, uh, reducing this $100,000 gap. The other thing is cars. As you recall, we had a donation of a car, and it made a difference in a woman's life. This is Emmanuel Denny, and she graduated cum laude and is having a wonderful, this is the woman that had the, the twins, the twin uh, boys. But the, if you know somebody, this is where you can help me, that has a car that is no longer being used or is about to be traded, they should consider donating it to the church. If you have lots of questions about that, you can see me and the committee about that. And the third thing, you all know I love cooking. And my goal is to have a wonderful fundraising feast. We have two chefs in Concord that are willing to help. We have parishioners that are love cooking. So you might see me about that and find out how we can have thousands of dollars raised for the church so anyway, I bid you thank you for your help. Don't hesitate to call me or any of my committee members, but remind yourself that you're on my committee also. Thank you. As a testament to the vitality of this community, I want you to be able to hear for a moment
this right and the good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opens to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance when Christ died for you, and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome at God's table.